All right, this time I'm going to be bringing Pastor Barry up to present a little bit about hammers and nails for us to learn a way in which we can get involved in serving our community some in the coming year, okay? Please feel free to come forward, sir. Sure, thank you. I'm going to grab my water and then sit myself down. There you go. Well, it's a pleasure being here this morning. I really uh, enjoyed the time of uh, worship. Sometimes worship is a uh, hype experience. I've been in other churches, and I appreciate the uh, sincerity of your heart as you led worship this morning, and uh, blessed to be here. It was a pleasure to meet Pastor Chris a while ago, and he said, you have to come and share. So uh, I'm here this morning, and let me share a little bit about myself first. I pastor a city Bible church here in the area, and uh, also um, work for Hammer Nails. I work uh, three days a week there. I'm the community engagement director for Hammer Nails. Hammer Nails is a Christian organization only here in Stark County. We get no government funding. We get it all from churches, businesses, and individuals. And it was started back in about 1996. Uh, North Industry Church down in Canton South, a woman uh, got youth together during the summer, and they did uh, projects fixing homes, painting homes and fixing homes. Most of it was painting back then. After about three years, she got a 501c3, and uh, it's a nonprofit now. And uh, that she's done that ever since. We got a new uh, director last year, and I came on board last year as well. And I feel like uh, we're taking the, the ministry to another level now, to another position. And uh, we work with Masson, Alliance, Canton. Uh, we're moving up to Canal Fulton. But uh, we have a, a, a we're, what do I want to say, a year behind in clients. We have so many clients, and most of our clients are seniors. And the one thing that I was confounded by when, we, uh, when I came on board was is the amount of seniors that have no one. And when we go into these homes, a lot of times uh, we're the only people these people see. And when we leave, they're crying because we built a relationship with them. And one of the reasons I was brought on, I worked for Billy Graham's ministry for two years with my hope. So we provide them with Bibles, a devotional, and materials to help them in their spiritual journey. We're not just there to fix their homes. Uh, in fact, our... Mission statement says, fixing homes, changing lives, and that's what we're into. We were uh, able just recently, just to give you a couple stories, in Masson, we had an eight-year-old boy who his mother had to take him in and out of a house down three flights of steps, cement steps, for some time, for several years, and had no wheelchair ramp. We were able to put a wheelchair ramp in for that little boy, and I'm telling you, put a smile on his mom's face and his face. We had a gentleman in uh, Perry Township, 60 years old. He's been married for a number of years, but two years after he was married, he had a stroke. And his wife has been taking care of him, which is an incredible commitment on her part. And uh, we were able to build them a ramp, and they were elated to have a ramp. And um, so we need a couple of things. We need volunteers. We cover all of Star County. We have four volunteers that work with us every week. One of them's 76 years old. He can work circles around me. <laughs> but we have four we need more volunteers, people that have light carpentry skills, can paint, have a heart for people. So we're looking for people to volunteer. And the other thing we have is we came up with this. A lot of churches have mission budgets. And uh, I told my executive director, because I'm a pastor myself, we need to allow people to put change. So I said, let's do little houses, fill them up with change. And the churches take these as families. And uh, they get involved with this, uh, maybe uh, volunteering, but then they can also give and fill these up. This holds about $30, $40 worth of change. And uh, every one of these houses you fill up changes a home in Stark County. I mean, if I took you into some of these homes, uh, I've been overseas on mission trips. The first house I went into in Stark County, I came back and I said, I can't do this. 
the executive director said, what do you mean? I said, that's the worst house I've ever seen in my life in living in Stark County all my life, and I've been overseas. And uh, our project director went out. He said, that's the worst house I've ever seen. I said, thank God, because I thought they were all going to be like this. But uh, a lot of people have needs, um, and we need people like you that have a heart for the community and a heart for people to not only fix their homes, but to build a relationship, a bridge to bring them to Jesus Christ. So I want to thank you for having me this morning. Uh, and if there's any questions, I'll have a table in the back. We do have the homes you can take with you. And there's also brochures on what we do and what we don't do. Uh, we mostly do painting, light carpentry work. We have people in uh, Canton who leave in the morning, come back, and their door's been broken down, kicked down. So we go and put a new door in for them or a storm door. And uh, so we're blessed to help the people of our community. But it all happens by churches, businesses, and individuals. That's how it happens. So if you'd like to get involved with us, I thank Pastor Chris for having me in this morning. But if you'd like to get involved, we'd love to have you become a part of Hammer and Nails. Thank you. So I can only use one four-letter word. And it is, what the heck am I doing up here today? I had no, I, I would never have thought I'd be up here at a Protestant church talking about, I had no idea what a, what am I doing? A testimony. I should know that. <laughs> I had no idea what a testimony was. I was raised Catholic. I'm still Catholic. Uh, but quick joke to start us off. Um, Two people are standing in prison in the lunch line, and the one prisoner looks at the other prisoner and says, no, nah, the food here just sucks. And the other guy goes, it was much better when I was a senator. <laughs> Quick joke. <laughs> Election season's over, thank God. So, um, a lot of you in here have been in my car, whether I forced you or not. I, okay, that sounds bad, but I, I always carry this rosary with me, and for years, when I get in my car, I will rub the cross and say, uh, one of my favorite lines in a hymn, it's, or, yeah, in a hymn, uh, it's an old Catholic song, it's, O Sacred Head, Surrounded, and at the end of it, it says, the cross is our salvation, our hope from day to day, our peace and consolation when life shall fade away. And I, there's, I've said this my whole life since I started playing that song. And uh, sometimes, I'll say it a hundred times a day if I'm having a bad day. And maybe I'm just OCD, but... The cross is your salvation. It's your hope from day to day. It's your peace and consolation when life shall fade away. One thing that I have uh, learned here is up to this time, I, I, I thought I knew what God meant. I thought I knew what friends were. I, I just thought it was, if you have a lot of friends around you, you are... You're popular, you're loved, so on and so forth. Had a terrible, terrible uh, relationship with someone. And into my life came 
first Jake, first, second Zach, and then James, I think was that order. I'm sorry if I have it wrong. Um, and I prayed so much for some good friends. I was very lonely for years, very lonely. And I saw that they started coming into my life. And uh, some of my favorite verses are, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And here I have friends that are as close to me as brothers. I can't tell you how grateful I am and how blessed I am to have those people in my life. Uh, We've changed each other. I'm always there for them, and they've always been there for me. And it wasn't until recently that I really understood what discipleship meant. And I'm able to disciple other people, and I was doing it without even realizing it, because we don't really talk about that in Catholicism. I mean, we do, but... Okay, we don't. <laughs> and uh, this week and a half has probably been one of the best weeks in my life. Uh, I went to New York City with one of my now very good friends, Ian. A lot of people you know know him. Uh, he's cut his hair now, so you might not recognize him. And... Something that really struck me was we went to an escape room, and it was an Egyptian-themed escape room, and we got the second best time out of a couple thousand groups that have went through it since it's been open. We missed it by like 26 seconds. And the reason it worked is because the group of people I was with me and my friend are very uh, creative thinking. We match colors up. My friend Hart and Ian are very analytical. And that's how I've seen my life. I am with the right people. And these are not just friends. These are, these are brothers to me. And at the end of it, we got to the fourth room. And it had a heart and a feather back in Egyptian times. Before you could enter the afterlife, you had to. Your heart would be weighed in a feather. If your heart was heavier than a feather, you could not go into the afterlife. And that is very true in Christianity, too. That go through life with don't have a heavy heart. Let your problems go. Surrender them to God. He takes care of them. And he has done that through my whole life up to this point. Another one of my... uh, A big part of my life was I uh, was diagnosed with major depressive disorder in 2010. I knew something was wrong my whole life. I was very quiet in high school. I was, but I I realized what I was feeling was an actual medical condition, and it has gotten so much better this last year because 
of doing simple things like biking with friends. Um, I, I see it as God time, the time I spend with my friends, because we are together for one common good. And sure, we goof around and may say some ungodly things, but <laughs> never, yeah, never. But it means so much to me. Since winter is coming, there was a sermon I heard once uh, back in high school. Uh, Monsignor was talking about the uh, seasons of your life. And he said, look at a pond or a lake. In the summertime, it's full of fish swimming. It's full of people in it. There's uh, green foliage around it, lily pads. It's full of life. But look six months later, and it's dead. The water is hard as a stone. And that's very indicative of how life goes for us. We go through winters in our life, and sometimes they last a long time. But, and I was in a winter for many years, and slowly spring started to come, and then summer came. And that same pond that was frozen and cold is now again teeming with life. And I want you all to realize that, that if you're going through hard times, look at, uh, look at a pond. Look at, just observe nature. Everything will be dead for several months. But within that, there's life. There's still life in those trees. There was still life in me. I just didn't have any people who were warm as the sun to bring it out. Uh, and one of my favorite quotes from a movie, it's from a, a single man. It's at the end of it. It says, A few times in my life I've had moments of absolute clarity where a few brief seconds the silence drowns out the noise and I can feel rather than think. And things seem so sharp and the world seems so fresh as though it had all just come into existence. I can never make these moments last. I cling to them, but like everything, they fade. I have lived my life on these moments. They pull me back to the present, and I realize that everything is exactly the way it was meant to be. I've had these moments at City Church. I've had these moments where my friends have come to Advent lessons and carols, I've had these moments at the Easter vigil, sitting beside a good friend, where the silence drowned out the noise, and I could think, I could feel rather than think. And I do cling to these moments because I was so close to God at those moments. And I have felt those moments in Washington, D.C., when I went with Jake, James, and Zach. The silence drowned out the noise, and I could feel rather than think. 
And that's when I know God is in my life. Another thing, I, uh, I used to have uh, a terrible nicotine addiction uh, and an alcohol problem. It wasn't quite, I don't buy uh, hard liquor anymore at my house because I'll just drink it. Um, it was depression. I would spend $100 a week on cigars, and I would use dip, and I would drink whiskey when I was home alone. Not like the movie, he didn't drink whiskey, but. <laughs> Anyways, so, and this was about 10 years ago. You know, my blood pressure kept going up. I was like, I'm fine. The doctor's like, are you still doing nicotine, using substance? No. My parent, I, I would come in smelling like smoke and they'd see dip in my mouth and my parents were like, you got to stop, you got to stop. And then there was a sermon. Uh, my priest, he uh, talked about addiction and his addiction to uh, food and cigarettes that he uh, conquered years ago. And he said he conquered it because he was outside smoking a cigarette. And he said a homeless person came up to him walking by the church and said, you're calling God a liar. And he paused and he said, how? He said, by using that cigarette, you're telling God that he's not strong enough to get you through your anxieties, depression. You have to use a substance. And he said, you're fat. He said, you're telling God that you don't trust him enough, that you can't put down the fork. And that was the day he quit. And after that sermon, I have never bought in a box of cigars again. I quit dip. And I felt so much better because why was I spending money on that stuff? I could give that to the church. I was telling God he was a liar, that I had to use these substances. No, it wasn't like heroin, but it still is a substance. And... I was telling God he was a liar, and I didn't know it. Well, I mean, you're not... I, I, I'm sorry, that's kind of... You're not men's fitness, either am I. <clears throat> but at my birthday, I was so blessed to have so many people there. Uh, people that I've known... Some pe there was one person I knew for 20 years... And everyone in that room, uh, my parents are there. I've known them longer than 20 years. I've known them 36 years. Chris, you weren't there, so I guess you're not that important. I know you were, no, you were sick. He was sick, I'm joking. You're very important to me. And uh, I just felt so blessed to have these people there. And the fact that I like my parents coming out with me. They don't embarrass me. Uh, I like to embarrass my mom a lot. But I am just so blessed. I know I keep repeating I'm blessed. But I am. My friends are blessed. And I just want to end it by saying to people, 
that this cross, this is your salvation. This is your hope today. It is your peace and consolation when life shall fade away. And I think I'm going to end it on that. And I look forward to having these moments again because they pull me to the present. And I realize that everything is exactly the way it is meant to be. Thank you. I'm going to pick up this pen real quick. Yeah. The button's green. Yep. Okay, let's take a little bit. Maybe that's why. Is that better? Oh, but then it just, it's just going to look bad, man. I already told the story how when I got this flannel, it had needles in it, so. <laughs> well, I guess at one point, you're right. Yeah. But, um, no, I actually had a sermon prepared for today, and uh, I talked to this gentleman earlier, and then I talked to Dan a little bit later, and I was just like, I, there's something this morning that I was just like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to have to say anything. And uh, I think after what Dan said, I think that nailed it. I mean, I was going to talk about the idea of how uh, in life and in relationships we need to have bridges as opposed to walls. And sometimes when we're building these bridges, um, that doesn't necessarily mean we're walking the person over to the other side. But when we're building these relationships, we're enabling a bridge that's pointing towards Christ. And in doing so, I think of Dan, I think of the Oracle, I think of what we do there, and even though Chris has, you know, more recently been participating more in the Oracle ministry, he nailed exactly what the Oracle ministry was. It's an opportunity of peace. This is what we're doing out in the Canton community and going to these bars and places like that. Is it's not necessary to win people over to Christ. We hope that happens, and that can happen sometimes in a day. Sometimes that doesn't happen for years, though. You know, but we're there enabling peace to happen, and that's where I met Dan. I saw he was down. He was all bummed <coughs> out. He was sitting down at the bar. We just started talking. Talking about life, I told him, I was like, hey, didn't you used to be at Mugs League and stuff like that? He's like, well, let me tell you the story about this horrible breakup. I was like, I'm so sorry. Did not mean to bring that up. <laughs> and, but I was like, you know what? Since you had some bad experiences at Mugs, why don't we go there and maybe have a new one? And so he went there, and actually uh, the person he had broken up with uh, had appeared the same time we were there. And I think, was that three years uh, since the last time we saw them? Four, yeah. And so his anxiety started kicking and started flaring up. I said, hey, man, like I said, I know you said you were Catholic before and stuff like that. I would just take a moment and pray right now. And so having these little opportunities of peace, and we were blessed enough together to be able to have, take it further. Um, but not often in life do you get that. Not often in life do you get to have, like, these bridge moments. Uh, and it's important that you have these boundaries, too, because, right, there's not too many bridges that don't have ropes to hold on to. So, you know, as much as our yes needs to be yes, our no's need to be no's, too. And those need to be respected. And um, but it's one of those few opportunities, at least for me, that I feel very blessed as a pastor and just as a brother, more importantly, the fact that I get to see this man go through these cycles and that he's grown me as well and has challenged me as well. Like, um, Dan, I want to say this for you because you didn't say this, and this is like going to make me like choke up a little bit, but my biggest thing for Dan is Dan is actually gay. And one of my biggest intents was for him to know that he was loved regardless of his sexuality. His identity was not found in him being gay. And not once today did he say that. Not once today, like, he glorified God. He talked about community. He talked about what was going on. And for me, 
seeing that, that he knows that he's loved regardless of his sexuality. And that that's not the contention of where we have our arguments, but the greatness about Dan. Dan has shown me how to give. Like, he's one of the best gift givers, and I am horrible at it. Ask my wife. I'm really good at ideas of good <laughs> gifts, but I am horrible at execution. Uh, and he is phenomenal at it. I mean, even the fact that he went out and was ready to do a thank you card for coming to his birthday party. And I jokingly told him, I was like, I still have thank you cards from our wedding. So, <laughs> but... but what I mean by all this, that's one of those few opportunities that we get to see. I get to see this growth in this person. I get to see this joy in this person. And it is through Christ. I'm just lucky that I was a part of it. And not only that, but seeing that how it affects a group of people. You know, a lot of times people ask, what does calling look like? And a lot of times I cannot give you a definitive answer saying, this is your calling. Or Chris cannot give you this as a definitive answer. And maybe when you're quiet before God, you're not given this, this is the end goal sort of a thing. But I can tell you one thing. If there is a calling in your life, it's going to affect more than just yourself. It's going to affect more than just the relationships you have, you know, within your close people group. It's going to affect all those around you. And I've seen that. And I've seen that happen through Dan and through Blade and through James, through many of the people we get to spend time through us at the Oracle. And the, the fascinating part about this is it's not because someone had this grandmaster scheme of just like, okay, I'm going to teach Dan what discipleship is, you know. I'm pretty sure I've not forced you to read any Bonhoeffer. So, like, the cost of discipleship has not been entered into your reading uh, literature yet. But... This idea of discipleship that organically happens. You know, it's one of those things like even with Dan and his calling and stuff like that. I still don't fully know what that looks like, but what I do know is that it's enabled us to have someone to play organ here at the church. And so that's reaching a different group of people or people that even like liturgy of that nature. Or even someone that's Catholic that may be kind of wrestling with the evangelical circles, but recognizing that we are all collectively under the body of Christ. And so with that, um, speaking of the body of Christ, and I'm not going to preach anymore, I just, I'm, I'm personally, I'm very thankful, and I've been very grown by all of you, uh, whether it be through having staff meeting, and Anna just, you know, having such great direction, and she is so on top of things. Or even Chris, as much as he consistently will belittle himself and say, I'm bad at this, or I'm not good at this, this man this year has grown in such a way of extending grace and mercy, especially even towards me, that I've just been blown away, and I'm very thankful. Um, so, Zach, do you mind bringing up the communion elements? And if you want to say something, you're more than welcome to. But uh, if anything, I'm even thankful for stuff like hammer and nails. I'm thankful that instead of saying, here's the problems in the world, um, this is what I don't like about it, we're doing something about it, and you saying that change is worth it. And I think that's, there's such a beautiful thing in that. You know, you have even like Judas and stuff like that with the change and the money and the currencies and things like that. Uh, and oftentimes we just allow change to be thrown away or we sell ourselves out for money, but the fact that that can be used, um, whether it's fixing up a house, um, whether it's just saying, hey, this is an opportunity we have to glorify God and help the community around us. I really appreciate that. So, um, did you want to say anything, Zach, or do you want me to? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Nope, I'm done. Um, But if anything, uh, you guys, uh, I thank you for allowing me to have a sermon prepared in advance for next time, so I don't have to write up anything. But here at City Church, when we celebrate in communion, we celebrate the fact that Christ broke himself on our behalf, that he poured himself out on our behalf, and also to glorify himself. Another really cool thing um, that was actually part of the sermon today was the idea of accountability and witnessing. The fact that oftentimes in Scripture you'll see two being used all the time, and this is why Trinity is Trinity, and why Trinity is so important, is whenever one part of the Trinity is working, the other two are testifying and witnessing to it. This is why even in the creation account, there's two. This is also why with the flood and stuff like that, there's two of all creation. We get so caught up in arguing things 
But when you consider that creation itself testifies to God, it witnesses to God, two of every animal. There might, there might be another reason why there are two of every animal. Well, that too. I mean, we're not talking about procreation. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. We don't need to argue here. There's a greater theology to this. Uh, and there's, there's a depth to this. And kind of what Dan was saying, and Paul goes to this in Romans, look to creation. It testifies to God. It glorifies God. There's peace. There's order. And even all the way to Revelation where there's two witnesses. There will always be a remnant of God that will always be witnessing to God. And this is what we're called to do as the church. We're called to be unified through Christ, but in the same sense and like Christ, break ourselves and pour out into the community around us. And so what we offer here at City Church is we ask that as long as you follow the dogmatic principles or the Nicene Creed of the Apostles' Creed, the idea that Christ um, is who he said that he was, that he was born of a virgin birth, that he lived a perfect life. Oftentimes we focus so much on the death, but he lived a life too, that he died on our behalf and that he resurrected and he will return again. If you leave those things, you're more welcome to participate in communion with us. Whether you're Catholic, Lutheran, whatever, we, we're united through Christ. Yeah, we can have our differences, but maybe be unified so that way we can be poured out to the community around us. And so we also have the concept that Christ breaks himself and pours himself out to us. And so he also demands a response, too. We have to get up and do something about it. So this is why we present the elements this way. Christ presents himself broken and poured out. We still have to have a response. So as long as you believe those dogmatic principles, you believe who Christ said he was, you know, that he died, that he resurrected, and he will return again, um, you're more than welcome to participate in communion with us. So feel free to come up whenever you're ready.